0: My name is Dr. Joshua Nabb. I'm a board-certified clinical psychologist and 21st century Christ follower. Early in life, I experienced overwhelming psychological suffering, which led me down a path of wandering away from my faith in my adolescent years, reminiscent of the lost son in Luke's gospel, returning to my Christian heritage in my early 20s, my own intensive psychotherapy in my mid-20s, and ultimately a life committed to understanding and pursuing psychological and spiritual health As I now head into the middle years of my life, please join me as we devote a half hour each week to better understanding secular and Christian perspectives on mental health and the intersection between psychology and Christianity. Then engage in a 10 minute practice to conclude each episode, drawing upon Christian meditation, prayer, and contemplation. Above all else, my aim in this podcast is to journey with fellow Christ followers as well as those who are curious about the rich heritage of Christian psychological and spiritual insights into the human condition, doing so with humility and curiosity as we devote ourselves to Christlikeness in all we do. Hi, this is Dr. Joshua Nabb, and welcome to the fifth episode of The Christian Psychologist. In this particular episode, I'd like to talk about a psychological experience that I think many, if not most, humans struggle with, at least at times. Silence. So what is silence? How do we experience it psychologically and spiritually? What's the impact of silence on psychological and spiritual functioning? Why do we often avoid it? And why is it needed as 21st century Christ followers. Another important question as we get started here is, is silence something or nothing? If it's nothing, we will fill our lives with noise, given that we don't think anything's there. But if it's something, we may be able to begin to see that silence is needed given something is actually taking place, even when there is an absence of noise, an absence of conversation, an absence of words. In a society filled with noise pollution, noise all around us, from cars, from trains, from buses, all kinds of noise, I think we can learn from both secular psychology and Christianity as we attempt to make sense of why silence may be actually good for us in the 21st century. As one author put it, silence is the new luxury, especially in a noisy society filled with both purposeful and random noise. Yet, why do we often run from it if it's this new luxury? Why do we avoid it? Why do we turn away from it at almost all costs? So what are we running from as we try to fill our lives with noise? One question to consider, is too much noise a contributor to mental disorders, such as schizophrenia, depression, anxiety, stress, and are technologically savvy, fast-paced, Noise-drenched society. So in this episode, I'd like to accomplish a few different major tasks. First, I want to review the secular psychological understanding of silence, including what it is, why it's helpful, and why we often attempt to avoid it. Then I'd like to explore the Bible's view of silence, along with some writings and practice on the topic from classic Christian spiritual writings. Then conclude with a practice to help cultivate an awareness of God's presence in the silence. So for 21st century Christ followers, I think we need to shift from an understanding that God is absent in the silence to an acute awareness that God is actually present in in the unfolding silence of the day. Huge paradigm shift, I think, can happen when we see that God is present with us in the silence and that silence isn't somehow us not hearing from God or us being punished by God or abandoned by God. So I'd like to begin with a personal story. In my early 20s, into my mid-20s, I often lived alone. Although there were a few time periods where I had roommates, there was an extended period of time that involved being a bachelor, living in a studio apartment. It's what I could afford, and the roommate thing didn't work out great. I recognized that it could be challenging living with roommates, and so I tried to go it alone for a period of time. And so during this time, it was often difficult to come home from a long day of work or or college, given there were no noisy people to share life with. So noise, of course, is a double-edged sword on one hand. We often can complain about it. On the other hand, we sometimes crave it. Of course, I could certainly spend my evenings in public places or with friends or family, which I did from time to time. But a lot of the time, given I lived alone, was it was just not practical to seek out other people. So I commonly would come home to an empty, silent studio apartment. And as the silence filled the air during these moments, I could almost hear a, a buzzing which communicated to me that no one was around, nothing was happening. And ultimately, I was on my own in this busy, heavily populated world. So in this phase of life, which lasted maybe five years or so, for me, the silence captured a few psychological experiences, given there was no sound to distract me. First, I'd say that the silence communicated to me that I was on my own with no one, in those key moments. And the silence communicated to me that this uh, nighttime, morning time, the rituals that filled that time communicated to me that from dusk to dawn and dawn back to dusk, There really was no one in my home environment to talk to, laugh with, make passing comments to, and so forth. So again, it's not to say uh, I could not pick up the phone. But during this period of time, the internet was not as fast as it could be. Cell phones were not as reliable and clear as they could be. So it was me. It was maybe a house phone but a lot of the time was, was by myself. So for me, this period of time involved silence that let me know psychologically, psychologically speaking that, that I was alone. It communicated that to me, that, that I was not around others. There was not noise that came from others. So for me, this at times was a painful experience. I'd probably describe myself as an extrovert, or maybe at least balanced between extroversion and introversion. But a lot of the time, I enjoy being around people. I enjoy connecting with people and checking in with people. So this was somewhat of a painful, lonely experience. felt like... Really, what it felt like growing up sometimes. Around the age of 12 to 20, when I lived at home with with my mom, my dad had moved out of the house. I could remember coming home from school given I was basically a latchkey kid. It was a phrase used some time ago to describe kids who would come home after school, have a key. Maybe that key was on, on them, on their person, or it was For me, it was a a little magnet uh, hiding container that was close by the back door, the garage door. So I'd come home, get that key, unlock the door, and have a few hours of silence. Unless I went out, played with my friends, that kind of a thing. So no parents to await my return. With this daily ritual. My mom was often working after my parents' divorce, so this meant that afternoon was filled with silence, was my own, alone, to decide what to do. Also, uh, maybe a second thing for me, the silence in my young adult years communicated to me that there was seemingly no activity going on. Nothing was happening. The absence of activity. So the, the absence of people and the absence of activity. Nothing was happening. No sound was coming from my environment to capture my attention, draw me into something I enjoyed. Third, I'd say the silence forced me to hear my own mind, to listen to my own mind, to tune into my own mind, which was often busy, ruminative, worrying, complaining, criticizing, and so forth. So in other words, the voices in my head were extremely loud, like noisy, rude neighbors blaring music in the apartment next door with a shared wall that vibrated, unwilling to lower the volume. Fourth, I'd say the silence communicated to me during this time period that God was seemingly absent, and unattentive to my needs, unavailable, aloof, distant, maybe cold, but definitely didn't feel God's presence because of the silence. So really I've always been someone envious of Christians who say they clearly hear from God, As if much of this time involves an audible voice with clouds parting and a deep, maybe radio broadcaster-like voice, polished, confident, unwavering from God, extending a clear-cut message to Christ followers about exactly what they need or needed to do. Just was not, is not my experience. So, don't get me wrong, I... This technically can happen. We might say those who hear from God in such a way, if it happens, are tremendously blessed. But probably less common than many of us think. So over time, I'd say I started to conclude that I needed sound to feel less alone, to keep myself busy, to distract me from myself from my noisy, unruly mind. Yet, I would say over the last decade or so, I've started to have a different relationship with silence, especially as I felt closer to God in key moments and through Christian spiritual practices. I've also noticed in my reading of the mindfulness literature how important silence can be for meditative practice. And so I've been curious to excited about relating differently to silence, especially since I think many of the major world religions do not pathologize, do not point to silence and say, get rid of it, but instead to nurture it and to crave it and to pursue it. So some key questions are as follows for 21st century Christ followers. What if God is present, not absent in the silence? What if our outer silence in our environment is needed to begin to develop inner silence, a settling, not a clearing, but a settling of the overactive, noisy mind? So we can hear God's still small voice or gentle whisper on this side of heaven. So rather than conveying loneliness and the absence of life, what if solitude and silence can be cherished as a way to slow down, settle the mind, rest the mind? Again, to be clear, not clearing the mind, not chasing away thoughts, but not doing things to stir them up in unnecessary ways? What if silence is a way to turn down the proverbial volume of the neighbor's blaring music in that apartment complex? To turn down the volume of the yelling partygoers, and try to get to know the inner workings of the mind and God's will for the life of each and every Christ follower? What if noise at times is a way to avoid both God and ourselves and we actually need to seek and attain silence, not run from it, for periods throughout the day? Formal periods, maybe even short periods of time, five minutes at a time, two minutes at a time, one minute at a time to cultivate and maintain psychological and spiritual health? What if the noise is the problem? What if we're getting confused about the problem and the solution? What if instead of silence being the problem and noise being the solution, noise is the problem and silence is the solution? So probably about seven or eight years ago I started reading about the sayings experiences of the early desert Christians. They moved to the deserts of Egypt, Syria, and other desert locations beginning around the 3rd century, rejecting materialistic society, rejecting fake or false versions of Christianity that may have been, at the time, preoccupied with power and prestige. And they went to the desert not to avoid, but to face to in silence face their inner world, in silence rely exclusively on God and hear from God. So they pivoted from the noisy materialistic societies that surrounded them toward a deeper awareness of experience of God in the silence. Now for for many Christians, especially Protestants, the writings sayings, teachings of these early desert dwellers are maybe rejected outright given that understandably the early desert Christians did not seem to be engaged with the world the world, um, sharing the gospel message the way they could have been. At least in the way that we make sense of evangelizing in the 21st century. Yet Psychologically speaking, I've been fascinated by the reality that they had to face silence on a daily basis. So imagine living in a harsh, hot, dry desert landscape, no sound, not even coming from animal life to distract you depending on whether these early desert dwellers lived in smaller, close-knit communities or on their own, they may have spent longer periods of time in silence with only themselves and no surrounding sound. So you're living with overwhelming silence, which meant you had to face your mind like never before. We might not realize it, but so much of our day is filled with noise that distracts us from the inner workings of the the mind, the self, our emotional world. So, what would you do if faced with a similar reality? How would you occupy your time? Would the silence be welcomed, perceived to be pleasant and growth producing spiritually, psychologically? Would it be scary? Would it be overwhelming? Would it be something in between? One scholar of the early desert Christians captured their experience and motivations with the following, which I think is absolutely fitting for this current discussion on the psychology and spirituality of silence. Quote, "...society expects its citizens to be active and productive. In society, you are useless if you are not valuable." These expectations translate today into our attitudes towards minorities or or toward the elderly, the disabled, especially young children. The Desert Fathers and Mothers proclaimed a different set of values, where change occurs through silence and not war, where inaction may be the most powerful source of action, and where productivity may be measured by obscurity, even invisibility. The same author goes on to state, quote, silence awakens us from dullness of awareness, from dimness of vision. Can we begin to recognize that silence is needed in the Christian life, not something to run from, not something to hide from, not something to turn from? We have no shortage of noise We have no shortage of running commentaries about how to live life, about what's needed, about products to buy. In the midst of this noisy banter, can we slow down to bask in the silence and find a deeper rest in the silence, a deeper peace in the silence by reframing silence as needed and where God is located? So what is the psychology of silence from the secular psychology literature? One common definition might be the absence of verbalization, the absence of talking, the absence of putting sounds to language. And yet, one author is quoted as saying that silence is really eloquence. It's not the absence of, but the presence of. Interestingly, in an article in the Secular Psychology Literature on Silence, the author quotes the late Trappist monk Thomas Merton as saying, silence has many dimensions. It can be a regression, and an escape, a loss of self, or... It can be presence, awareness, unification, and self-discovery. Negative silence blurs and confuses our identity, and we lapse into daydreams or diffuse anxieties. Positive silence pulls us together and makes us realize who we are, who we might be, and the distance between these two. Another author notes that silence can take at least three forms. Wise silence. Then there's this posed wisdom where we attempt to come across as wise through silence. And then there's ignorant silence. We just don't know. We're overwhelmed. We have nothing to actually say, or at least we think we don't. So here we can see that silence can be negative or positive and take a few different forms, different motivations are at play here. But really at the end of the day, silence remains a mystery for us as humans. We're just scratching the surface. We often don't know what's good for us. We remain unsure if it's a negative or positive experience if it's the presence or absence of something, if it's emptiness or fullness. But one thing seems to be clear. Silence can alert us to the present moment. And the distractions of noise can rob us of the ability to settle into, bask in, rest in the here and now. And for Christians, God is revealing himself to us and his will in the present moment. And Jesus says, come follow me. There's an urgency to those realities. And oftentimes, we do too much talking and not enough listening to discern God's will. Is there something about silence that, helps us to have a blank canvas for God to paint on? To have a, the space, maybe on a, a, a blank CD, to rec, for God to record on? Or is noise taking up too much space to where we have a hard time listening to God's voice, hearing God's voice, because we're doing all the talking? I think it's Teresa of Avila who said, oftentimes we pray to God as if he's not there. We do all the talking, never the listening. It's, it's sort of like riding in a long car ride with a chatty, talkative friend. It's like ordering a pizza with a friend who takes nine of the ten slices. What happens when we fill up all the the space in our lives with noise, which can then prevent God from, well, prevent us from discerning God's will, prevent us from better understanding God's will. So what's the relationship to psychological functioning and mental health as we think about theory and research in secular psychology? Silence may be involved in the following, according to one review article. A better understanding of our core being. The ability to use our senses to understand the inner world. Being more sensitive to changes with the senses. Sight, sound, touch, taste. A greater sense of connection with present moment experience. Being more aware of emotions. Being more aware of a transcendent spiritual reality. And learning to rest in a nonverbal wordless reality. we might call that ineffability. Here's another thing to consider. Noise pollution is a reality and is being increasingly talked about in health-related literatures and fields. So, Noise in urban areas, planes, trains, car traffic can impact children's development, cognitive functioning, mental health. How about when we have headphones on throughout our day and all we're doing is getting incoming noise, music noise, podcast noise, just running commentary, words, 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 often empty often without a transcendent perspective or purpose. In terms of research in the secular psychology literature, in a review of some of the research on the topic, one review pointed out that when there's too much noise in places like hospital settings, it can actually have a negative impact on the recovery of patients. It can elevate stress among those present or presenting to the emergency room in an acute state in need of treatment. Conversely, silence can actually lower our heart rate, blood pressure, and rate of breathing, and it can reduce our level of cortisol, cortisol implicated in stress. In one recent study, participants were exposed to silence across a wide variety of contexts, including spending time with people, without people, in rooms, in city life. Findings revealed, quote-unquote, silence was judged to significantly increase relaxation, improve mood states, and alter the perception of time and the orientation toward the present moment. So to be a bit more specific, When participants were asked to wait over a period of time, those who reported higher positive emotions and a higher relaxation score tended to indicate that time had passed by more quickly in contrast with those who reported being more irritated. So our mood can even have an impact on our perception of time to where when we're in a better mood, time seems to go by more quickly in the context of silence. Of course, in secular psychology, mindfulness meditation can be extremely important important to recognize the salience, the importance of uh, silence. In mindfulness practice, we are pairing silence and meditation to settle the mind, not to chase our thoughts away, but to notice our thoughts and then shift toward, oftentimes, uh, the senses. So if we go on a mindful walk, we might go barefoot walking on grass. And we recognize our sense of touch as we make contact with the blades of grass, the coolness of the blades of grass, the texture of the blades of grass. We maybe smell the the smell of the grass that was just cut. We maybe look at the way the light hits the grass and casts a shadow for each blade of grass. Here's a quote from... Mindfulness based stress reduction researchers MBSR MBSR is very popular right now. It's a way to utilize mindfulness for all kinds of physical, psychological struggles. So these researchers say the following on silence quote, silence helps our minds to rest, just as sand stirred in a tumbler of water gradually settles to the bottom and leaves the water clear if we let it rest for a while. So the agitation of our minds and stressful thoughts can gradually settle as well. Our minds generally become calmer, clearer, and more open. Again, we're not talking about clearing the mind, just clearing really the debris in a way where we have more insight into the human condition and the nature of the mind. So the secular psychology literature field gives us some insight into silence and noise and what to make of them and do with them. As we, re- as we turn to the Bible, one of the more famous biblical passages on silence comes to us from 1 Kings chapter 19, As the Lord came to Elijah. and went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. Although NIV, New New International versions, translate this as gentle whisper, other translations may be a still small voice, which is a common one, a low whisper, or a gentle blowing. In Ecclesiastes, we read that there is a time to be silent. In Psalm 37, we read, Be silent in the Lord's presence and wait patiently for him. In Psalm 62, we read, My soul, wait in silence for God, for my hope is from him. In terms of classic Christian spiritual writings, for the Quakers, who were Protestant Christians with roots dating back to the 1600s, Silence was especially important to encounter God in the inner world. So silent worship services are common among Quakers. One Quaker, Isaac Pennington, stated, So be still and quiet and silent before the Lord, not putting up any request to the Father, nor cherishing any desire in thee. For the Quaker George Fox, the following instructions on silence are especially important. Quote, "Be still and cool in thy own mind and spirit from thy own thoughts, and then thou wilt feel the principle of God to turn thy mind to the good to the Lord God, whereby thou wilt receive his strength and power from whence life comes, to allay all tempests against blusterings and storms. That is it which molds up into patience into innocency into soberness, into stillness, into staidness, into quietness, up to God with his power. In the Christian spiritual writing from Quaker author, contemporary Quaker author Thomas Kelly, entitled A Testament of Devotion, Kelly says when it comes to cultivating a deeper, more restful communion communion in God. But theologies and symbols and creeds, though inevitable, are transient. While the life of God sweeps on through the souls of men in continued revelation and creative newness. To that divine life we must cling. In that current we must bathe. For the heart of the religious life is in commitment and worship, not in reflection and theory. How then shall we lay hold of that life and power and live the life of prayer without ceasing? By quiet, persistent practice in turning of all our being day and night in prayer and inward worship and surrender toward him who calls in the deeps of our souls." Mental habits of inward orientation must be established. An inner secret turning to God can be made fairly steady, but lapses and forgettings are so frequent. Our surroundings grow so exciting. Our occupations are so exacting. But when you catch yourself again, lose no time in self-judgments, but breathe a silent prayer of forgiveness And begin again, just where you are. Offer this broken worship up to Him and say, This is what I am, except Thou aid me. This is what I am, except Thou aid me. Admit no discouragement, but ever return quietly to Him and wait. In his presence. There is something special about the silence, the waiting, the solitude, the stillness in our relationship with God. Rather than running from silence, rather than fearing silence, rather than filling our life with noise that does not edify, that does not ultimately satisfy we can learn to rest in the silence, for psychological and spiritual health, to listen to God, to make room for an awareness of his presence as we tackle our day. So let's conclude with a 10-minute practice inspired by the Quakers, inspired by their deep desire, their yearning desire to... Make room for an awareness of God's presence within the inner world with silence. So find a quiet location to spend the next 10 minutes in rest, in silence, in God's presence. Doing nothing else over the course of the next 10 minutes. So close your eyes Sit up straight in the supportive chair and spend a few minutes developing a confident expectation that God is actually with you in the silence, not absent. Let go of the expectation that you will somehow hear an audible voice from God in this time. So although God can certainly move in any way he so chooses, learning to hear from God in the silence is especially important during this time. So rather than viewing God as distant or absent, right here, right now, begin to assume he is with you and just as excited as you to spend the next 10 minutes together. Next, take a few minutes to really settle into your position, remaining as still as possible and letting go of the tendency to fidget, move around, or make any slight adjustments in this time with him. As you remain still before the Lord, relinquish all of your expectations about what will happen in the silence, only holding on to the expectation that God is showing up and spending this time with you in the here and now. Now, spend the remainder of the time meditating on Psalm 62.1. For God alone, my soul waits in silence. From him comes my salvation. Aligning the verse with your breathing. With the in-breath, silently, silently say to yourself, for God alone my soul waits in silence. And with the out breath, say, from him comes my salvation. Again and again, repeat the verse, for God alone, my soul waits in silence. As you breathe in, then from him comes my salvation. As you breathe out, continue to sink further and further into this reality as you fellowship with God in the silence. Since God is offering you salvation in this very moment, Your only job is to wait upon him in the silence. And whenever you notice your overactive, noisy mind is at it again, just allow it to do what it will do to run its natural course as you settle into the silence because you're remaining still before the Lord and pivoting towards the verse. For God alone, my soul waits in silence. From him comes my salvation. Aligning it with the natural rhythm of your breathing as you rest and bask in this God-given silence, this God-given moment. as you conclude this meditation. Thank God for the time spent with him, asking him to continue to show up in these instances of silence throughout your day by offering you his still, small voice or gentle whisper. And when you're ready, you can... Open your eyes again and reorient yourself to your surroundings. And so, as we conclude this podcast, I think the most important point is that silence is not the absence of, silence is not a gap, but a place to meet God, a place to cultivate psychological and spiritual health, a canvas upon which God paints. God is with you, not away from, not abandoning you, not turning away from you in the silence. For many Christians, we may never hear a loud voice from God But that doesn't mean he's not present. That doesn't mean he's not walking with us. That doesn't mean he's not offering his perfect contentment from moment to moment. So to reframe the silence as life-giving and life-producing because God is there. God is in these gaps that we perceive to be silent and absent and nothing happening. So going all the way back to my adolescent years, to my young adult years, the reframe for me is saying that God was there all along. That in the buzzing silence that I interpreted with my fallen human mind as absent, loneliness, inactivity, God's abandonment, God was actually there all along. And this has brought me tremendous peace in resting with God in the silence. Like I'm standing with him on a vast open space, the the cliff of the Grand Canyon, just looking out with him, enjoying the silence, not needing to say anything as I am grateful for all that God's done for me and grateful for his creation and grateful that he's created me, but that I don't need to always hear a loud audible voice to know he's with me and to know he loves me and to know he is responsive to my needs with his perfect providential care. So my hope is that this podcast has been helpful for you. As we conclude, have a great week and hope to talk with you next time. Thank you.